Hey everyone, welcome to Life Unplugged Podcast. This is James and Terry Kraft coming to you from sunny Southern California. Are you looking for an opportunity to join the discussion with two people who have traveled the real and vulnerable road of marriage recovery, ministry, family life, and leadership? Well, we invite you to journey with us through each episode to a discovery of what it means to live a faith-filled life in an honest, authentic, and unhindered way. So we encourage you to set aside life's distractions and stresses and get comfortable with us as we discuss Life Unplugged. Hello, everyone. This is Terry Craft with the Life Unplugged podcast. And today I am going solo and uh, this is going to be a, a wonderful opportunity for us to hear of some um, stories, a story of uh, freedom, and just just amazing, amazing story with our special guest, uh, Carrie Stageberg. And what I want to just start off with saying before I go any further for our listeners is, is that if you're um, a man, a guy, you're listening and you're like, oh, I guess I'm going to tune this out because it's just two women talking. I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned. Please keep this on. We want everyone to hear this story. Um, and I think it's really important for both men and women to hear Carrie's story. And I know that, um, you're going to be excited and happy that you did. Um, but anyway, I'd like to start with just saying thank you, Carrie, for, for being our guest here on the Life Unplugged podcast today. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so excited to be with you guys or you today. I I know. I know. Well, we, we had you and your father on, um, a number of months ago and just, you know, had such a great time talking about the wonderful things that you guys do together. But today we're going to be talking about your story and I really, really am excited and so many good things. So what I would love for you to start us off with, I'm just going to go right into it because I want to make sure that we have all the time, um, is just tell us a little bit about your life and ministry currently, and then we'll move into your wonderful story of freedom. Yeah, absolutely. So I am so incredibly blessed. Um, I get to do something I never thought I'd be doing in a million years, which is ministry with my dad, which is incredible. And um, I'm just really blessed to have the world's most amazing father. And um, it's just a really special season of getting to do life and ministry with him in a new way. Um, But we run a small nonprofit called Strong Families and help people build great relationships. And you know, as a part of that, my story, as you guys will hear, uh, is really coming out of domestic violence and overcoming trauma and healing from trauma. Um, so I also do a lot of work with uh, women who are either in or getting out of abuse. And um, it's been really great also to do that with my dad. And like you said, you know, for men to not check out at this point, um, one of my favorite people on the planet, June Hunt, um, who's an incredible woman, woman of God, loves the Lord, um, but does a lot with abuse and recovery as well, you know, it, without men speaking into this topic, things are not going to change. That's right. That's right. And, and I'm so thankful to have a dad who's who's not only an advocate with me, but um, helps me and supports me in all of this as well. And so if you're a man listening to this, there's something in here for you too, because without your voice, this is going to continue. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that you are just giving that caveat because really honestly, language, awareness, 
um, you know, having that empathy, it, it, it really does make a difference and make a change. And um, I know that your story is going to impact a lot of people. And hopefully can, people can share this story with people that they know that have gone through, you know, situations of domestic violence, you know, whether male or female, um, you know, some, sometimes we're going through those kinds of things, um, different stages of life. And so it's really good to get different perspectives on those stories. And, and just to um, add in, uh, Carrie's dad, Dr. John Trent, um, is, you know, phenomenal. He's written, uh, many books, uh, the blessing and, uh, love, love just all of the personality, um, uh, things that you guys do with the, the, just the strong families is an amazing resource. Um, but I wanted to just put that out there for listeners who may not know who your dad is. So, um, you guys are a great team to be honest. You it's guys, fun. A fun season. I just, it's sometimes I'm like, how is this real life? It's just really fun. Oh, I loved it. And we, we, we spoke with you guys at a conference and I remember seeing the two of you speak together and it was so much fun watching a father and a daughter speak about such incredibly important topics together with vulnerability and just knock it out of the park. So I loved it. I was like, Oh, goals, goals. <laughs> No, you and James, we loved, we loved getting to do that with you guys and your story blows us away as well. So we're, Aww. it's all of this together. It's awesome. That's right. We're changing the world one, one heart at a time. Well, tell me about a little bit about your, your family. I know that you have a special surprise coming. Yeah. So Joey, my incredible husband and I um, have been trying for five years to get pregnant and um, anyone out there going through infertility or, or struggles with that, I feel you, I hear you. Um, and so we're expecting our miracle IVF baby, a little boy, uh, coming up September 1st. So mm-hmm. we are really, really excited for that. And uh, thankfully, I'm in that awesome second trimester honeymoon. If this was the first, I'd be, you guys would have to edit out a lot for morning sickness and all that fun, <laughs> fun stuff. I but know. Glory period. <laughs> oh, yay. Well, enjoy every moment of it. We, as I've mentioned before, our girls are growing and growing and we've married one off now. And it's like, where did that time fly? I, I told them, I'm like, when you guys have babies, it's going to be, I'm just sucking in every second. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. My, my parents have one granddaughter and my sister has a, has a baby and their grandparent life is the life. I'll tell you, they're oh. Yes, yes. Although my daughter says, um, you know, because they're they're you know young, young married. She says, well, just you're going to have to wait a little bit. And we're like, we're fine with waiting for a while, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that those first couple of years of marriage, I mean, it's actually Joey and I are working on a book right now called The Merge for Marriage, all about that. Um, and and it can be, I mean, it's an incredibly wonderful time, but incredibly challenging as well as you're trying to really bring two lives together into one life. Oh, um, gosh. That's great that they're not in any hurry and just get to enjoy that really special season. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you guys, and, and you said, I think it was coming out in June. Yeah, the manuscript's due in June, so it'll probably be October, November before um before it hits it's bookstore at least okay so the fall so i i do encourage and we'll have you back on when you guys um release but it that is such a great resource because you know young marrieds need to understand when you do have that merge it can be really tough and you know those where that is where sometimes we see some of these issues that we're going to talk about today even come out so i love that your response to your story has been such a healing component for other young marrieds. Thanks. I, I 
certainly hope so. Cause yeah, I mean, the, the reality is, is with trauma, even if you've dealt with a lot of it on the front end, new things come up, um, the deeper and more attached you become to someone else and your, and your marriage partner and that, that trauma just continues to come up, but it is something you can defeat with the Lord's help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're in a series called living free and we've had different topics. We've, you know, talked about our story. We've had stories of other marriage recovery. Um, we're going to be talking about recovery. We're, we're going to talk about, you know, living free from some of the bonds that we get into, maybe like codependency, um, or at least codependence, ten, codependent tendencies. Um, and, uh, just, you know, all kinds of different fun topics, um, and, and important topics of living free. But for you, for you, Carrie, what does living free mean to you? Mm, it's such a good question. And, you know, I think sometimes in different seasons, it has different meanings, but overall, I really feel like what that means for me is just realizing that I am the Lord's beloved, mm. that I'm his daughter, no matter what life looks like, no matter what season I'm in, no matter what I'm battling, that he has still chosen me um, and he's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that that peace that comes when I really understand that on a deep heart level is freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and tell me how, I mean, this, this is a loaded question, but how did you come to experience that. I mean, that you, what you said was just profound, but I know there's years of blood, sweat, and tears yeah. behind that. Yeah, really lots of tears. <laughs> um, really it did. It came out of trauma. Um, so I, you know, grew up in, with a dad in ministry. I love my family. I have a great, um, we're a very close knit family, my mom and my dad and my sister and I, and, um, but to me, the Lord felt incredibly abstract when I was growing up mm. and I just, felt like it was a bunch of rules. And while I saw faith lived out at home when I was at church or in church communities, I just felt like these people do one thing, you know, they preach one thing and do something completely different. And so I just had a really hard time reconciling that and the fact that God was really actively involved in my life. So mm -hmm. for a long period of time, I completely walked away from the faith. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of long story short culminated in me eloping, mm -hmm. uh, shocking my family, not the best thing to do when you have a dad in marriage and family ministry. Um, and that relationship turned out to be incredibly abusive in, mm. in every sense of the word. Okay. And it was really in the middle of that five-year season. Um, I mean, and my dad and I talk about this a lot. Um, during that time, I mean, I pretty much cut off all contact with my family, mm. which is pretty typical for victims of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. I was very isolated. They didn't know where I was living. They didn't know the fullness of everything that was going on other than knowing something was incredibly wrong. Wow. Um, but the Lord literally rescued me out of that. And it was through the healing of that season that that depth of, okay, God is who he says he is. Mm -hmm. He loves me unconditionally and he's going to carry me through whatever is coming up um, it really was formed. But it was not an easy process. It was a challenge. But God is so kind and so gentle um, to, to walk us through that and to never give up on pursuing us, even when we're in those times where we're yeah. not ready to acknowledge that he's there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you said so much in that statement, uh, just about, you know, going through, you know, being in a, a Christian family and, and kind of coming to the point where you're, you're having some of those questions and doubts and, and you, there's a story behind even that part of it. And then sort of responding or reacting out of that, you know, and looking for, sort of that relational component to, to meet that, that need or that, that doubt, um, you know, what, what are some key things in terms of, 
you know, the awareness that made you just stop and say, something's not right in this relationship. And I think that's important for listeners to hear that because we, we don't always catch things right away, but the more aware we are as we navigate life, the easier we can make, you know, you made course adjustments and, or step in and out of something if needed. Yeah. You know, it's a great question. And at the time I had no paradigm for abuse. I didn't know that abuse could happen um, to mm-hmm. someone like me. I mean, I, it, none of us think it can happen to us. And I think the the reality with abuse is that one in three women, one in seven men, those statistics are actually probably even higher just due to lack of reporting, um, experience abuse at some point in their lives. And especially in your early teens and 20s is when it's most prevalent. Mm. And I think it took me a really long time to really be able to identify that something was wrong. I, I kind of kept feeling it, but I didn't have words for what was going on. Mm. Um, actually, a family member gave me a book uh, called The Verbally Abusive Relationship. Mm. And I remember reading it in secret and I literally underlined almost word for word the entire book. Wow. And I still had to read it five or six more times to be able to say, okay, maybe, maybe what I'm experiencing is abuse. Mm. And so it was a very, um, it was a process to be able to identify that this was happening. And I think for so many of us that are in that situation or have come out of that situation, we don't want to, it's so hard to reconcile that that person has chosen to behave that way. Mm. That's right. And we, we don't, you know, there's no rational reason why someone would choose to act that way. And so it was really hard to be able to call it what it was. Um, And then once you call it what it is, you have a choice. What am I going to do about it? And that's even scarier at times. Um, So it really was a journey uh, to to get to a place. But like you said, some of those red flags, just to answer your question better, I think, you know, um, I honestly got to a point where I felt crazy. I would say something and then be told I didn't say that. And I got to a point where I was like writing things down so that I could go back and look and say, well, did I actually say that? Yeah. Um, I yeah. I was losing my mind. Um, I was so stressed out. I, I mean, I'm five feet tall, so I'm not a huge person anyways in terms of height. But I got down to 82 pounds because I couldn't keep food down. I had ulcers at 22. Um, I was like probably the only 22-year-old on the purple pill for ulcer medication. I was losing my hair. Um, So there were physical symptoms as well as just the psychological symptoms. But I mean, I just remember I got to a point where I knew he was coming home and I just broke down crying because I didn't know what was going to set him off. I knew something would. But I literally was like, okay, well, I don't know if I need to be focused on what's in the kitchen, what's in the laundry, what's in the living room. Like, I don't know what to do to prevent what's going to happen. And I think that was my first real indicator that like, my gosh, I'm paralyzed. I I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like you were... You were, you, you were stuck. And, and from what you said previously, it sounded like you had kind of cut off relationships within your home, um, family, your, your, your support system, because there was maybe shame or confusion or what, and then you didn't even have the support that you needed. Absolutely. Yeah. And it definitely, like you said, it was a combination. Um, I, you know, on one hand, I felt like I was protecting him um, by not letting people know what was going on. And then secondarily, when I did hang out with people that were speaking truth to me, there were severe repercussions on my side, um, you know, from him. And so it got to a point where it just wasn't worth 
the risk essentially or the punishment to hang out or be around those people that were going to speak truth into my life. Wow. It just got overwhelming. And what a burden for a person in your young 20s uh, to be carrying that. I mean, I'm just hearing such burden. You know, how did you... How did you make the the decision at, you know, at some point to say, you know, enough is enough? I mean, how did you step out of that? No, I honestly don't feel like I made that decision. I feel like God gave me that choice. Mm. Um, and I feel like so often he does that. He He's typically not a God that's going to force us to do something. He gives us options. And I do remember I had reached a point um, where I just realized, like, this is this is killing me. One way or another, this is going to kill me staying in this mm -hmm. situation. And uh, one particular evening, he got really violent. Normally, he would just kind of go in the other room and pretend like nothing happened. But that evening, he left. And I just remember praying and saying, okay, God, if you're real, I don't care what you do and I don't care how you do it. Just get mm -hmm. me out. Yeah. And yeah. 10 minutes later, there was a knock on the door. Uh, someone who knew what was going on in our situation and had seen him leave and just said, if you need a safe place to stay tonight, it's yours for as long as you need it. And that was the first moment where I realized, oh my gosh, okay, maybe God is real. Maybe he is involved in my story or cares what's going on. But also that I had a choice. And, you know, I still went back after that. The average person actually does about seven times. It takes about seven times for them to actually leave. And so that wasn't the end of my story, but it was the beginning of me realizing maybe there's a way out of this. Maybe there is a different way to do this. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and again, just, you know, so much, so much to navigate at, at that age. Um, you know, what, what do you feel was, you know, for you kind of that thing that kept drawing you back in? Cause you said, it, you know, seven times that there's the average when people kind of go back, what, what is it? What, what did you, what was your experience in kind of going back into that? You know, I think the first thing is, is that, um, you know, I genuinely loved him. I, mm -hmm. I genuinely wanted things to be different. I mm -hmm. didn't want that to be our story. I wanted yeah. it to work. I wanted us to have health. Mm -hmm. um, so there was that desire. And then I also think, um, like you talked about, codependency was a huge part of it. I didn't know how to set healthy boundaries. I didn't know what health looked like. Um, and then on top of that, the abusive cycle is actually incredibly addictive to both the abuser and the victim. Mm -hmm. um, because you get caught in that cycle. And what I realized years later was everything that I thought was a great moment, that honeymoon phase of recovery, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, they were actually just lulls in the storm. Wow. They weren't really um, but you feel like that. You feel like, oh, look, there's hope. Things are getting better. They've said, I believe that they're going to change because they said it and all of those things. Um, and, and that cycle is incredibly addictive uh, to both partners that are in it. Wow. Yeah. So it becomes a, you know, a system, a, a cycle, like you said, and it's really hard to get out of that. Um, but it does sound like there was some a, a bit of intervention, you know, whether it was something that you had asked for or had, you know, it had come come in um, through the yeah. side door there. So it's really important for people who are listening who could be dealing with uh, probably there. I mean, there's all degrees of you know that kind of abusive, um, you know kind of happening in a relationship. There could be just verbal, it could be verbal and, and physical. Um, there could be some gaslighting involved. So it, it sounds like from what you're saying, you know, when you get the awareness, you know, to, to step out, get some tools, 
get someone in there to kind of help bring some sort of like, hey, here's some reality that we're seeing. Yep, absolutely. And um, and just to add to that too, I mean, sexual abuse inside of marriage is real as well. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it, anything that gets unhealthy to an extreme and it's a pattern over time yeah. uh, could be an indicator of abuse. But absolutely, get help. Don't do it alone, but do it safely. And there are so many resources out there that can help you do that safely um, because really that is your most important focal point is safety for you, for your kids, um, for anyone else living in your home is is yeah. to do that safely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, ha- I don't know if you have any resources off the top of your head. I know that, um, you know, obviously there are hotlines and there's, you know, care, yeah. care ministries, but I don't know that yeah. there's any that you know off of the top of your head. Yeah, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is an incredible place to start, um, and they're a great place where you can talk to someone anonymously and safely. Even on your internet search, it doesn't show up mm-hmm. um, if you go through go through them. So it's a great place to start, especially if you're unsure if it's a safe situation. But there are lots of books. I'm actually that's the next book I'm working on is one on my story. But I do coaching and mm-hmm. um, and help for people going through that. So CarrieTrentStageberg.com. Um, I can help too. But, um, you know, really anything by Leslie Varnick is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, June Hunt has some incredible resources on abuse and recovery. Um, but those are two really great places to start. Um, and then there are some secular resources as well. Like I mentioned, um, why does he do that by Lundy Brun- uh, Buncroft and uh, the verbally abusive relationship um, are two secular resources that are also just a great place to start in terms of identifying and being able to figure out okay, what, what's the reality of what I'm looking yeah. at? And I think that's so important to state because it's not, we're not talking about the, you know, the, the occasional, you know, situation where a husband and wife and the wife's going, gosh, you know what? I feel like, you know, you're just mean to me or you say something. We're talking about an abuse structure. So there's, there's a difference there, you know, and obviously if anybody's listening and you're having relational difficulties, you know, get help, get, get the counseling, get the coaching that you need. Um, but it's really great to be able to, um, sort of, uh, establish whether this is sort of crossed the line into, you know, abuse, or is this something that, that can be, can be worked out before that? Yeah. And I think, you know, like you just said, it's so true. Um, These aren't one-off instances. I mean, however, I will say if there is a one-off instance of physical violence, that's abuse. Absolutely. Um, But if, when it comes to verbal and emotional, um, it, it, it really is about this pattern and, and we all get into unhealthy patterns. There are unhealthy patterns out there. Not all of those are abusive, but I mean, abuse really is systematically designed to, to destroy your self-esteem and your value and to keep you controlled. And, um, you know, there are ways out of that. There are people who can heal from that. It's rare, but it's, there's a very different structure to abuse than there is to unhealth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's just great to have someone else who can help. And, and I know that I work with many women who are dealing with loss and betrayal and, and, you know, different things in terms of, of kind of trying to figure out what are boundaries and, you know, what's my identity and all of this. Um, and I know that so many have said, you know, it, this cycle feels abusive. And I think no matter what the degree is, is just getting help. 
and then letting even someone else help you determine what is the sort of the level that you're looking at. But to kind of try to self-assess like, hey, this isn't so bad is really, it sounds like even in your situation, it's kind of, um, it kind of keeps you trapped a little bit because you're, you stayed there probably longer than you needed well, to. And God has created our brains so incredibly. Um, and one of the ways that he's created us is for resilience. But along with that comes our ability to really downplay trauma in the moment. And especially when we're continuing to live in repeated trauma, mm-hmm. our brain does downplay those moments so that we can survive it, um, which is incredibly harmful when you're in abuse. Um, and like you said, that's one of the reasons people stay for so long is, okay, well, that happened and it was terrible. And you have that initial reaction, but then your brain goes into survival mode. And it's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And for any of you that have loved ones that are going through abuse, you've probably had this conversation where they share something horrific with you that you can't even fathom was said or done to them. And then two days later, they're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. I, you know, I don't need to do anything about it. It's, it'll be fine. It, you know, no, no big deal. And that's literally their brain's survival mechanism. However, they really need help to break out of that system to say, it was as bad as it seems, but I need to get help, you know, for me to be in a safe place. Yes. And I think so often for victims, um, I say victims were future survivors or survivors, but um, it really is incredibly important to be in a safe place, then be able to go back and identify all of the trauma. Cause it's really hard to process trauma when you're living it. If Absolutely. that makes sense. Yes. Yes. And I think that abuse in and of itself and sometimes the abuser isolates. And that's the problem. You know, there's a, there's a systematic isolation, you know, where it's like all of a sudden someone will say, I don't know why, but you know, we don't have any friends or, you know, our our family is estranged. And that kind of is setting the stage for, you know, either further victimization. So getting support, whatever that looks like is going to be huge, just huge. Yep. And I highly recommend when you do reach out for help, go to someone who specializes in abuse um, because there's a great marriage advice out there and there are great marriage counselors out Mm -hmm. there, but it's not great if there's abuse or addiction present. Um, And some of those strategies can actually be really harmful. So make sure you're picking someone um, that has a background in abuse and recovery yeah. to, that you're really setting yourself up for success. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know those of us, all of us who work in, in recovery, <laughs> people laugh at us because we're like detectives. I mean, yeah. when someone sits down and, and meets with us at first, it's like, we're really, you know, not in any negative way, but just very, you, you, you want to kind of dig a little bit because you want to find out what is the reality here. And if there is, you know, what, any kind or any form of addiction or a repetitive behavior cycle or abuse or trauma, it really does, you know, it, it takes it down a different path and you need to be able yeah. to give and, and receive the right support there. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So from your experience, and obviously I want to just say, you know, I'm so thankful to hear your story of overcoming. And I love that you said, you know, you're a future overcomer or an overcomer. Um, and I love that, that there's hope there. So, you know, from your experience, you've, you've gone through so much. Um, what is or what are the key factors, you know, to healthy relationships now that you have lived kind of both? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And, you know, I think 
the first component of a healthy relationship really is attachment. And I know mm-hmm. you guys have actually done a podcast on attachment. Yes. Um, and, and it's, you know, at Strong Families, we call it the blessing. And it really is that that mutual, um, if I reach out for you, are you, are you going to reach back? If I need you, are you going to be there? Mm-hmm. Are you going to show up for me? And then am I valuable to you? And if you can answer yes to those three questions, you have probably a pretty good attachment um, in that relationship. And without that base, it's really hard uh, to build health. Um, and of course, the Lord is our main source of attachment. So being attached to him first and foremost really sets us up for health. But um, the other things I would say is that people that are really willing to work on their issues, um, both individually and together. And I know that that's something, you know, I've told my husband, Joey, I will be in counseling for the rest of my life. Um, and part of that is because trauma comes up in different seasons in different ways. And I don't want to let my experience with trauma becomes something that negatively impacts our marriage. So I'm yeah. continually, you know, in accountability with, with people in my life or in counseling and, and doing the work on my own. Um, and he is as well for, for, you know, even though Joey didn't grow up with trauma um, and has, I just pray every day, our kid is going to be just like, <laughs> Joey because that's like, that is a model of health, but you know, he still works on himself and he's still, it's that time with the Lord. It's that accountability. It's, um, choosing to grow individually and together mm-hmm. are some of those mm-hmm. indicators of health. And then I also think fun, you know, you've got to have a friendship and and fun in your relationship and an ability to just be able to laugh together. And, um, you know, it's so crazy to me when I look at Joey and my relationship, um, I, my mom always told me, especially when I was in the middle of, of everything and healing and coming out of my, you know, divorce and abusive relationship, she just kept saying, Carrie, like you keep mistaking strength with cruelty, but you can be kind and be strong. Yeah. And, and Joey is that he, he is so kind, even in moments when we're fighting or we don't agree, he is so kind that it brings me down a level, you know, like it's really hard to escalate when someone's being incredibly nice to you, even when they disagree with you. Yeah. Um, it's been really healing for me because that's a safe place for me to be able to share Um, and to know that whatever I say, Joey's going to be kind to me about it. Um, and especially coming out of trauma to have that type of respect and, and love is incredibly important. Oh, absolutely. I love, I love the way that you described, you know, just the journey through attachment and, you know, how that's important and, and growth opportunities and being honest about our places that we do need to grow. I mean, we, all of us have, you know, arrests in our attachment, right? I mean, no one's perfect. So there's going to be times when we're, we are going to be more uh, maybe avoidant or anxious. And we, we, we need to understand that and then get help for that. And then obviously yeah. have fun um, and, and, and kindness and compassion. And honestly, sometimes, like you said earlier, you, you sometimes have to step out of an abusive situation enough to see what, yeah. healthy really looks like. And I think yeah. it's so important to be able to, to step back and be able to go, you know, are we, are we having any attachment here? Are we having yeah. any connection? Is there any growth? Are we having any fun? You know, those are just some of the topics. And if it's no to all of those things, there's something that needs to happen, right? Whether it's individually and or both. Yep. And I, I think, you know, to add one more thing to that, you know, my dad and I talk a lot about bending um, in, and that comes from, you know, the animal personality test and 
the two sides of love, but really, you know, if you, if you're not willing to bend towards your partner, you're going to break. Now that doesn't mean don't have boundaries. Absolutely have boundaries. You know, that doesn't mean lose your self identity or, you know, within health, but if you're not willing to bend it, it, your relationship really can't go anywhere. And when abuse is concerned, you have one partner that has said, it doesn't matter. I'm not bending. I will break you. Mm, wow. Wow. And that's obviously when things get dangerous. Yeah. You know, in absolutely. many, many ways, both emotionally and physically and, and sexually as well for for the, the victim there. So, you know, well said. So, so rich. Uh, what would you say to women who are listening who have suffered um, from abuse or, you know, trauma, maybe they're experiencing that right now. Yeah. I, if you're experiencing it right now, my biggest piece of advice is don't do it alone. It's incredibly scary to reach out for help, but help is out there. And that is your first step, um, towards being able to experience any type of freedom, whether that is your relationship healing, um, or, or God being able to heal you individually. And, you know, and just to, comfort you. I think so often when we hear reach out for help, we think we're going to have to make a decision today about the status of our relationship. And what does that look like for the future? That's, that's not what this is. This is literally just saying you need someone in your corner. You need mm -hmm. to be able to start processing what's happening to you. And then the steps will become clear um, yeah. as yeah. you go from there, but just that first step for help. And if you're, if you're coming out of it or you're freshly out of it, I just want to encourage you that um, God is so kind he, he is going to lead you through a journey of healing if you're willing to go on that journey with him. And I would just encourage you that even though it's incredibly hard and painful to go on that journey, to do it. Because yeah. going yeah. through that journey of healing is what is going to lead you to freedom. It's going to lead you to that healthy relationship he has for you. It's going to lead you and your kids into a different place where you're able to experience his light and love and laughter in a different way. Um, so don't be afraid to walk through it. It's scary, but it's walking through that with him that really builds that, that sense of beloved yeah. um, and just joy that he has over you. That's so great. And you're, you're a testimony to that because you are, you're now experiencing, you know, such a different uh, relationship and you're going to have a beautiful baby and the Lord has really restored and redeemed so much in your life. And so I think you're speaking not only wisdom there, but you're speaking experience, which is just good as gold uh, for those yeah. who are listening. Yeah. And I, you know, just to brag on the Lord a little bit, I mean, the things that he cares about that you never would have thought, you know, like I said, I eloped and God preserved, like, I didn't think a wedding mattered to me. And he preserved that day for me with the man that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah. And God cares about those little details of your heart and those little things that matter to you. And as you walk through that journey of healing with him, he is going to restore things that you never thought, you know, could possibly be healed or restored for you. And it's such, it's, I like get excited talking, like go on the journey. It's awesome. You know, I like, know. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I sit with so many women who are dealing again, like I said, with betrayal and loss. And I always say, listen, the miracle for you is assured. Mm -hmm. It's, it is whether someone decides to do that with you or not is totally up to them, but that yeah. doesn't change the fact that you, you have a miracle of life and freedom. Yeah. And I think we just need to know that sometimes, you know, that Absolutely. 
just we don't we don't we can't control everyone else but yep but we can go on our journey so huge because we we really can't you know I mean I would have given anything for that relationship to be healed and restored but that takes the choice of two people yeah Uh, and just because he didn't choose that the Lord wasn't done with my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, if you're in that situation, if that's your story, God does, he, he's not done with good things for you. That's like right. you said that, that miracle, that blessing is assured and, um, it, yeah, he's, he's not done with your story. And I think so often we get caught up in that, well, divorce is evil and yes, God hates divorce, but he hates abuse. Yeah. God hates, abuse. that is not his design for marriage. And if, if that is not going to change, he's not going to punish you because of that situation. He has so much redemption and healing for you. That's right. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, what would you say to listeners who maybe haven't suffered abuse or, or you know, trauma in this specific sense, um, but, but you know, maybe what words would you give them to help with their awareness and maybe how to help others? Yeah, I think the first thing I would say is that if someone comes to you and shares something that has happened to them, no matter how shocking it is, no matter what the situation is, is to believe them. Um, Details can come out later, but in that moment, if someone has chosen to be vulnerable with you, listen, love them, um, and don't jump to conclusions about, well, that person wouldn't do that, or that couldn't have happened, or what, you know, like I said, details can come out later, um, but in your, and they're choosing to be really vulnerable with you. So that's step one. And then secondarily, I think we all have a job to be educated on this topic. Because the reality is, is with one in three women and one in seven men, you know, people or people in your church are experiencing this right now. And to be able to recognize some of those red flags in a relationship, to be able to stand up for someone um, who's in that situation and see what's going on is, is probably the most powerful thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I would say, if you're a man, we need your voice. If you're a pastor listening to this, we need you to be preaching on domestic violence. We need you to take on these topics. And, and these are not political. This is not about creating, you know, furthering a movement or anything like that. This is just about the fact that God did not design relationships to include abuse. And we really need men to be speaking that and holding other men accountable when abuse is present and walking with them in accountability and love and transformation for those that are willing to go through that process. Because we as women can't do that for other men. You know, there's a limit to, and so we really need men to become a part of that conversation as well. Yeah, well said. I agree. And I love how you incorporated some um, some empathy there for, for the abuser too, because I know that there are some who truly want to change. Maybe there's, you know, there, the, there is trauma in their past. There's anger. There's, you know, who knows what else that could be addictions, um, and truly want to change. And there has to be environments where people can do that and language, uh, you know, incorporates, you know, a healing expression for everyone involved. Yep. Absolutely. And I, and I firmly believe that and I've seen it, I've seen it happen. It is rare, but it can happen. And I, and I yeah. believe that it would happen more if we had, um, people that were really willing to walk through that process and health with others. But the other thing I would say is if someone comes to you and they're not in a safe situation, 
um, your job is all about safety and, you know, encouraging someone to stay in a situation where there's physical violence. Um, separation is incredibly healthy and actually sometimes the best thing in those situations, oftentimes the best thing in those situations. Mm-hmm. And so to really focus on safety. Um, and I don't know what the laws are where you're living, but it's always a good idea to know. I say this to everybody, but um, if if anyone under 18 is in the home and is experiencing violence, um, most of us are mandated reporters in the state that we live in. Yeah. And it is your job. You can do it anonymously, but you need to um, report what is going on for those kids, mm-hmm. especially, um, you know, adult women. It's hard because they get to make their own choices, um, but kids don't have that choice. And and to really be an advocate for the kids in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. And it's our heart that we would see more stories of people living free, just like you. Um, and you know, so Carrie, thank you. What, and just a wealth of information for our listeners on this important topic. And, and I know that we're going to see and hear more of you obviously, because you've got this great book coming out, uh, the merge, the merge or just merge. The Merge for Marriage. I love it. Um, and and just, you know, some the great things that you're doing with strong families. Um, and I we will put your website at the at the end of this podcast. So if anybody wants to connect with you personally, um, and you gave some great resources, you know, in our talk as well. But thank you so much for being honest and vulnerable about your freedom story. Of course. Thanks so much for having me and for being willing to talk about this. I'm I'm just so thankful for you guys and just your choice to be vulnerable on so many topics that are, um, you know, it's amazing how when you tackle something that seems scary head on, the fear dissipates and really you can see God's heart behind it. And I think you guys do such a great job of removing the fear over topics that, that just seem untouchable and letting God do what he wants to do. So we're thankful for you guys and what you're doing. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. We always say that we're vulnerable and, uh, we, we, and maybe some people think that's crazy, but Hey, you know what, if we can change some lives through our stories, we, we, we minister to others through our stories. Isn't that the truth? God's not afraid of our story. He's not afraid. So I, I love that. Awesome. Well, listen, I will put the 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 um, information at the bottom. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. What a great what a great topic! And um, we just we are so thankful here at Life Unplugged to be able to walk alongside so many individuals who who are navigating journeys of trauma, recovery, uh, addiction, and and in marriage enrichment. Um, and, and it's just, such, it's a, it's a great, it's just so fulfilling. I love it. I love it. And if you need any more resources, uh, look us up at livelifeunplugged.org or one of the best places to stay in the know is to follow us on Instagram, which is also live life unplugged. So thank you. And we look forward to having another discussion here on the life unplugged podcast. See you next time.